Well, we're in this series called uh, Give Like Jesus, and in past Christmases we have encouraged one another to um, think about Christmas and the way we give, and to give in ways that are perhaps a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more uh, connecting us to what Jesus gave to us uh, in his life. And we haven't done this for a couple of years, but this year we thought we'd circle back. We're taking a break from the Ecclesiastes series, and Series. We'll be back in Ecclesiastes right after Christmas. I know not a lot of you really love that series, and uh, we are going to be going back into that um, right after Christmas. But we're taking a few weeks break to talk about what it means to give like Jesus. That's the theme, give like Jesus. Now, there's a couple of pieces to that. Jesus, first of all, gave of himself. He gave out of his being. He gave from the deepest sort of depths of who he is. And so we want to be thinking about our giving in relation to Jesus' giving. But then we can also think in terms of uh, who it was Jesus gave himself to. And so when we think and we look at the scripture and that, the, the understanding of, of to, to whom Jesus was giving himself, we see uh, many different groups, uh, but we want to focus on three. The first one is the beloved. We looked at this last week. The, go back to the Old Testament and God talks about his people as his treasured possession. And Jesus gives himself to his beloved, to, to those he's already committed himself to, to his treasured possession, his people. Jesus gives himself to his beloved. But when you look at the sweep of scripture, you see also that Jesus gives himself to his enemies. There's this language about Jesus giving himself to his enemies. He goes to the cross to, for his enemies. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And then you see, you see this all throughout the Gospels, that Jesus continually gave himself, reached out to, addressed, tried to bring in the outcast. And so next week we're going to talk about giving to the outcast. And our hope and our dream is that during this season you would be invited to and you would accept the invitation to give something special to somebody who's beloved uh, to you. So you'd, give, you'd be invited and you'd accept to give to somebody who might be in that category of difficult person or even enemy to you, that you would follow Jesus in that and that you would be able to give to somebody who is an outcast in this next season. And so we're, that's where our goal is. And, and we're hoping that um, as you'll do this, you'll even consider, you know, everybody's got these phones with, with video cameras on them. You'll even consider doing uh, some interviews of one another, maybe in your home group or in your family at home. If your child gives a special gift, um, maybe you could just do a quick little interview and say, who did you give this gift to? Why did you choose this person? And what, did, what happened when you gave this hard gift that you gave or this special gift that you gave? And if we can kind of get a bunch of those clips and video clips, we'll put them together and then we'll be able to uh, share that and have testimony on how God has used this season to make us a little bit more like Christ and to give a little bit more like Christ gave. So today we're going to talk about giving to somebody who perhaps you don't love, somebody who is an enemy, to use the biblical language, or somebody who doesn't love you, would be another way to characterize it. Now, I'm going to be looking at a number of different scriptures, and because we're going to be going kind of cross-country through different scriptures, I'm going to put most of them up, or all of them up, on the screen here. But if you're using your Bible, or if you'd like a Bible, you can raise your hand, and, and we're going to be starting in Matthew 5, in that Bible, Matthew chapter 5. Let me define, as we start in this, what an enemy is. We've got to be clear, and there be different ways to do this. Here's how I'm defining an enemy. An enemy is somebody who's opposed to you, but not just opposed to you, but also in opposition and wants harm done to you. So we can be in opposition to one another, and sometimes it's the loving thing to oppose somebody. But if we're opposing somebody out of hatred of that person, then we're an enemy, Okay. We're an enemy. And so that's my definition for an enemy. Somebody who opposes you with intent to harm you. And there's hatred. 
Um, we can find enemies all over the place, can't we? There could be enemies in our workplace. There's somebody that you're supposed to be getting along with and working with, but the politics of the work just kind of get in the mix of it, and then you end up uh, having a difficult time getting along with this person. Then you realize at some point that they're actually out to get you, right? Same thing can happen at school, right? Some of these, those of you who are in school, um, you can be in relationships where it just seems like somebody's out to get you. They want to do you in. They want to keep you down. They want your harm so they can be benefited. Um, we can find this uh, in our neighborhoods. We moved into a house, and we found out after we moved in there that the previous owners of this house were actually, uh, it, were actually sort of the arch enemy of the people across the street. And, and I think we sort of, that sort of veneer kept with us. And so we're wondering, this person isn't very friendly over here. Uh, what's going on? And we found out later that these two houses were sort of arch enemies, and so we had to go you know, to our neighbor and, and try and build a relationship there and say, we're not the old enemies. You know, this is a new a new people in this house. Uh, and so, you know, in our neighborhoods, we can get that. You know, you heard of spite trees, you know. People grow a tree to block their neighbor's view, you know. It's just, and they'll just leave it there because they can. I mean, just terrible things happen. Or, you know, fights over parking places in front of their houses and all of these kinds of things. So we can have enemies anywhere. And, of course, today, as we're thinking about what's going on in our nation and our cities, this, this issue uh, applies very, very significantly um, and, and so, uh, you know, we need to be thinking about how is God calling us to be abridgers of that gap and to be peacemakers. And um, it's, it's true. So this way, before we start into the scripture, I want you to try and think of your various environments, work, school, neighborhood, home, wherever else. Is there somebody in those environments who is like an enemy to you? Okay? And if you can't think of somebody, pray, say, God, is there somebody that you want me to be thinking about as I listen to this sermon today so that I can be applying this to my life uh, and pray, pray about that? So you got that person in your mind. Now let's look and see what Jesus said about enemies. Jesus said some very strong things, starting in Matthew 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons and daughters of your Father who is in heaven. Luke six twenty seven. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. So in the first one, you're supposed to pray for your enemies. In the second one, you're supposed to do good to your enemies. Now, somebody mentioned this after first service. It's really hard to pray for somebody and still hate them. What a wonderful thing that Jesus said, right? And so, and so he calls us to pray. It's kind of the first step to pray for somebody. And then out of that comes the doing good towards them. In verse 35 uh, in that same chapter in, in Luke, Jesus says, But love your enemies and do good and lend and expect nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And here it is again. And you will be sons, sons and daughters of the Most High. So in the first one, sons and daughters of, the, of your Father here of the Most High of God. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So Jesus said some strong things about loving our enemies. And He said that when we love our enemies we're becoming like Him. And you say, well, why is that true? How can it be that I'm becoming like God when I love my enemies? And the answer is simple, is that God is an enemy lover. God loves 
his enemies. Look with me, running through a little bit more of Scripture. Uh, Romans 5.10 For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Colossians 1.21 And you who once were alienated and hostile, that's the same word, enemies, in mind, doing evil deeds, so there's hostility in mind, and then there's doing the evil deeds, and, and sort of prayer addresses that, the mind part, and, and it says doing good, so it addresses that, verse 22, and he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above, above reproach before him. So, apart from Christ, we were enemies of God. Apart from Christ, we're enemies of God in mind and in actions, in deeds. You say, well, you know, I don't really feel like an enemy of God. Is that really true? You know, even before Christ, I didn't really feel like an enemy of God. I mean, I just didn't really care about God, right? So, was I really an enemy of God? Why such strong language, Paul? Why do you, why do you refer to us as enemies. And to understand why Paul uses that strong language, you have to understand a couple of things about this, this God that we worship and that we talk about uh, here together on Sundays. This God is on a quest, and he's, he's irrepressible in this quest to bring us into his perfection, his holiness, to create a space, heaven, where there is perf- perfect relationship and perfect action where people are always at peace with one another, where people are are blessing one another. He's he's absolutely fixated on this vision of creating this place. And so anybody who gets in the way of that is an enemy to God. Strong language. It's strong language. I grant that. And this whole thing comes from his character. See, God is holy. It's a hard concept for us to, to get our minds around, to really understand what holiness means. It means separate, other. It means perfect. It means uh, all, the, all those pieces. Uh, everything we would want, but we're not necessarily because of sin. That's what holiness is. And, and so God is perfect. He exists in perfection. He exists in perfect relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's fixated on this vision to bring us fallen, broken people into that perfect community. It's part of his character to be holy. And so when we stand against that, we're, we're against him. We're enemies of God. James 4, 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, when it says uh, being friendship with the world, it doesn't mean simply friendship in the sense of um, you know, knowing people or even loving people. We're called to love people. We're called to be, uh, to be the kind of people who love the, the, the outcast, the broken, the, the hard people to love. But it, when he talks about friendship here, he means to set the things of the world above God and, and, and the ways of God. To do that is to, 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 to miss and to be on the wrong side of the relationship with God. So we're called, we're called then 
to a kind of a, a, a different way, and, and it's strong language. And you say, well, why would God use this language? Why are we enemies of God apart from Christ? Why is it this way? You know, couldn't it just be that we don't really care about God? That, that we're just apathetic about God or we're agnostic? You know, are we really enemies when we're, when we're that? And we have to look at it from God's perspective because God's perspective um, is, is, is different than ours. And from His perspective, He's been pursuing us since the beginning of time to bring us into relationship with Him. And we're told in the book of Romans in the very beginning that, that the whole creation screams the existence of God and the desire of God to, to bring us into relationship with Him. That all of creation uh, points and indicates the presence of God in the world. And God has been, has been wooing us and, and chasing us, chasing after us uh, over and over again to bring us into the fold. That's who He is and what He's been doing. And if we're not wanting to see it and we're turning away from it, if we're giving a blind eye to it, then we are, in fact, enemies of God. There's a story in the Old Testament that brings out some of this relationship we have to God. It's a story in the book of Hosea. Hosea is a prophet of God, and he's called to marry a prostitute. And he's called to continue in a marriage relationship with a prostitute as she continues to prostitute herself out to others. And Hosea hangs into that relationship. He stays and he continues to love. We would look at that and say, man, you know, she hates him, right? She's in opposition to him. She doesn't want anything to do. Here he is loving and pursuing, and she is in opposition going the other way. And, and, and that's more the framework that this relationship with God takes place in that He's been pursuing us and loving us and, and raining down His mercy and grace. And so the question is, do we respond to that or not? And when we don't see it, we're enemies. And, and, and so there's really just two sides to the coin. We're either the friend of God or the enemy of God. And it's that stark because God's communication has been that clear through what He has made and what He has said through Jesus Christ. So when you get that framework and you understand that when Jesus entered into the world, this was God loving His enemies. This was God loving His enemies. Those who stood against Him. Those who were far. Those who were opposed. Those who meant harm to all that is important to Him and valuable to Him. God loves enemies. He's the one who invented this. He does it to a depth greater than we could ever understand. And he calls us then into that same pursuit, that same kind of love. God loves enemies. You say, well, but he's God. Um, isn't it easy for him? He's perfect. And so how, of course, he can love his enemies. And, and I don't have that capacity. How am I going to love the enemies of me, the enemies in my life, how am I going to love them when I don't have the strength that God has? I was reading about uh, a, a, an author who was doing some research in uh, a particular Italian uh, city, um, nothing to do with it being Italian, but he's just in this old city, and, and um, 
doing some research, and every day he would look at her, and there was this old woman who would walk up the hill to the top of the city to the cemetery, and it would take her hours to get up there. And then she would spend a little bit of time in the cemetery, and then she would do the, start the long walk all the way back to her house. And he asked the people in the town, he said, what's going on? Who is in the cemetery that this woman is needing to go visit every day? And, and she, it seems so hard for her to make it to the cemetery. Uh, why is she doing this? Uh, you know, what beloved person is buried there? You know, uh, was it her spouse? Was it some family member? And he found out that actually it was her arch enemy that was buried in the cemetery. And she was making this long trek every day up to the cemetery to spit one more time on the grave of her arch enemy. And then the long trek home. And so this is how, you know, enmity and hatred can get entrenched in our souls, right? It can get so, it can be so deep and it can be so painful and so uh, overwhelming and so gripping uh, that that it causes us to to do things that, you know, we just think would be crazy. Um, And so how do we overcome that? How could we overcome that? Our world desperately needs a people who can overcome that kind of enmity. We see it all across the world. All kinds of problems happening, all kinds of things happening in people's lives, all kinds of brokenness and fraction and and pain and suffering. How can we be the healing balm when we're just sinful, broken people who are a lot of times like that elderly woman who marched up there to spit on her enemy's grave and then back again, right? We're all capable of a similar kind of thing. And the answer is the only way is for us to derive the strength to love our enemies from the God who invented and demonstrated how to do it. The one who was able to cross the greatest chasm ever between sinner and holy God through Jesus Christ. Who, to make peace, that God, that God can teach us and fill us and help us to accomplish what we can't do in our own strength. Back in the Old Testament, Joshua was... Was, uh, was about to uh, engage in battle with Jericho, the city of Jericho. You probably remember that story. And uh, he's nervous and anxious about what's to happen. And he's, he's praying. And, and the angel of the Lord comes. And, and his first question to the angel of the Lord is, are you for them or for us? Right? That's what we always want to know. Is God on our side or is he on the other side? And the angel kind of freaks him out. He says, no. Just No to that question in general. He says, you're, and basically, you're standing on holy ground. And here's the point that the angel is making. Don't focus on you versus them. Focus on me, and I'll take care of it. See, that's what we have to, under, that's what we have to get to, is if we keep trying to solve it in our own strength, and you versus them, and and keeping that kind of language will never solve it. But if we realize we're standing on holy ground, and we look up to the God who invented reconciliation and peace, and and has, has empowered us to do it, then we can find a way forward. And that's what happens with Joshua. He, he, the, the, the people worship, and out of that, they're led. And that's what we're called to do, too, is, is, is not to focus just on us and them, but to turn our gaze upward. This is sort of two-dimensional thinking, whereas when we bring God into the mix, it's three-dimensional thinking. We have to approach enmity and, and, and fractures 
and, 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 and all this kind of um, difficulty in relationships and the need for... We have to, we have to approach it with a three-dimensional mindset to say it's not just about us on the human level, but God is over it, and we have to draw our strength from God to be able to, to bring about peace and to be peacemakers, to love our enemies. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And that sounds like harsh language for us, those of us especially who maybe aren't facing great injustice in the world right now. There are places in the world where great injustice is taking place and in our world where great injustice is taking place. And people need to know that God is going to take care of justice if they are going to begin to love their enemies. So this is powerful truth that we need if we're going to love our enemies. We need to know that at the end of the day, somebody is going to bring about justice in this world. And, and, and that's what God does. That's who He is, and that's what He does. He, he takes care of justice. And so that's third dimension thinking, is saying it's not just to us, up to us. God is over this, and my job is to do good to pray for my enemies, to do good for them, and to let God be God in the situation. And that takes a lot of faith and a lot of trust, doesn't it? To love across that barrier. To love when it seems like it's going to cause you harm takes a lot of faith and a lot of trust. But that's what we're called to. And that's the kind of thinking that we're called to. And so here's what I want to do is to invite you This week or in the coming season, maybe God has given that person in your mind. Maybe it's an extended family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's somebody at school. Maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood or some other context. God has brought somebody to mind who's in opposition to you and wants harm done to you. And the question then becomes for you, am I going to love this person or am I going to return the hatred? And Jesus is calling us to step out in faith and to love our enemy. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to draw on His strength. We're going to have to lean deeply into His resources. We're going to have to meditate on the example of Jesus Christ who hung on that cross for His enemies. We're going to have to meditate on the example of Jesus Christ. And we're going to have to trust that God is over it that God is in control and that God will bring justice. And we're going to have to call upon the Holy Spirit who resides in us to empower us and enable us to do what is maybe perhaps more difficult than we can do in our own strength. I get nervous preaching a sermon like this because I have a sense that God's going to call me, right, to love somebody who's hard for me to love. I know it's going to happen. And I'm just waiting for it, right? And I know that in order for me to be a person of integrity, I'm going to have to be ready to do it, right? I can't stand up here and just say this stuff and then not do it. And so I'm, I'm just, and you know that sense of apprehension when suddenly you realize, oh, that's the person that I'm being called to love. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> and then there's that sense of excitement. Well, what would happen if I did actually do this miraculous thing? What would God do? What could God do with this simple act? You know, what, 
what sort of bitterness and prison and, and, and slavery to bitterness, what kind of internal things could be broken in my heart? What kind of message could be sent to this person who expects me to hate them back, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to love them. What, what's that going to do to their world? Just break it down, all their expectations to break it down. And and might I get an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ in the middle of that? That that's that's where the power comes from, from the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to invite you, when that moment comes, because it's going to come this week, probably comes just about every week of our lives, right? When that moment comes, I want to invite you in the power of the Holy Spirit, meditating on the example of Jesus Christ and trusting in the sovereignty of the Father. I want to invite you to embrace that moment and to love across the barrier. And that can happen in so many ways. Sometimes it means giving a gift. And we're talking about Christmas time. We're talking about giving a gift. But sometimes it means, you know, something other than that. It means extending just a warmth of relationship. It means seeking to build. It means taking interest in this person who's been difficult for you. It means giving to them, giving them the way, letting them win. All of these are ways that we can love across the barrier. And when we do that, we're opening up the possibility for the gospel then to take root in the middle of that and do something amazing. That's the power of the gospel, to love across those kinds of barriers. So I want to invite you to do that as part of our sermon series. I want to invite you to step out in faith and love that person who is so hard for you to love right now. That person who seems to be against you. Love that person and see what God will do. Lord, would you meet us in the middle of the uncertainty that comes with loving in these difficult contexts. We feel like we're going to get taken advantage of. We sometimes feel like that bitterness we've been holding on to has become a friend and we don't want to have to get rid of that. Uh, we like that feeling in a sinful kind of way. But it's a prison. It's a prison. We want to break free from that prison. Lord, so much of what's wrong in our world would be transformed if even just the people of God would start loving across the enemy lines. And so we're inviting you as you've invited us. We want to accept your invitation to love our enemies. But we're inviting you to help us, to fill us with your Spirit, to bring to our minds the example of Christ and to help us to trust in your sovereign provision in the midst of it all. Lord, help us to tell stories about loving across the enemy line. Help us to encourage one another. Help us to see the gospel flourish in the midst of difficult love. And we'll give you the glory. And we're going to see change in our hearts and in the hearts of people around us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.